everyone. Welcome to the first episode of Say What Needs Saying. Of course. Uh, we'll introduce ourselves real quick and then describe what our goal here is, what the podcast is going to be, uh, and then we'll jump into it. So I'm Zach. I'm a neuroscience grad student, and I'm also going for a science, technology, and public policy certificate. And so my goal with this is to start conversations about touchy topics that people don't typically want to talk about. Um, and hopefully we can get that done and then, you know, start some discussions that otherwise wouldn't have been. And I'll let Brandon introduce himself too. Well, hey guys, my name is Brandon. I'm currently on the path of being a surgical neurophysiologist. Uh, I, know, I know Zach from, we went to the same uh, undergrad did the same neuroscience path. And uh, once the minute he brought this idea, I was like, this would be perfect. I believe my perspective and his are so, uh, I would say dichotomous, but they can exist in the same space. And this would be a space that we can really flush the, those ideas out. So let's, uh, it's going to be real good. I'm excited for this. Right. Yeah. So let's jump into it. So today uh, we just kind of want to do a broader topic and go over discussion in general and some of the big conversation topics that people steer away from and the ones that we'll be going more in depth with on future episodes. Mm -hmm. So the big three that have historically been the, the three impolite conversation topics uh, have always been religious, religion, politics, and money, right? And so from those three, you can get all kinds of different subsets of different issues that you can discuss. And going forward, each episode will go into one in particular and focus on a couple issues that fit within that specific in impolite conversation topic. And definitely seeing how it can be related or at least just notice its parallels within society today and see how it counterbalances the research or its uh, original academic definition and see how we're interpreted in our society. Right. Right. So like all three of them, um, you can see multiple, multiple different reasons why people don't want to talk about them. Right. So we'll just kind of go through them real quick, one, one by one, uh, and then go into why, at least we think personally, people aren't discussing these things. Right. So, so let's start with politics, since that's kind of the one that's on everyone's mind more and more today, especially mid-pandemic. Right. Right. So I guess, Brandon, you can go ahead and start what, what you think, you know, people don't talk about politics. Why do you think that is? I believe I would say for this particular uh, generation, it's, more, it's most difficult to talk about um, politics only based off the idea that the, the ideas that we had that we developed through politics are more passed on from our parents and our grandparents or whatever we see based off of our perspectives. Now, granted, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily say that we went back into the history behind or the history of the politician or whatever exactly um, the party is standing for. We just kind of tailgate whatever the tabloid is that best fits our personal insecurities and narratives. And we just go with that. Um, that comes, that comes, that, at least that becomes a point of difficulty when you can't really extrapolate points when the opposition approaches. And once that uh, discord is created, you start to, um, I guess, have polarizing views based off those subsects, uh, those subsects that we have. And uh, from there, just, it's easier if you just avoid those. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Avoiding the discord. And it's, it's a ton easier than, than, than approaching it or addressing it on any level. Um, I think so personally, I think the, the biggest reasons, and this kind of goes to religion and money to an extent too, but with politics, I think it's the politics and money, I guess. But, um, I think it comes down to either the shame that a person has in their own views or the fear that they have about either the views that the other person is going to espouse or that they're going to think the other person will have about their own views, right? Right. So if you have a view that you perceive as being the minority opinion, right, you voted for Trump or Mm -hmm. you you know, have a stance on affirmative action that goes against what you think the other person is going to say, or really anything, right? If you think your view is in the minority, there's a level of shame that gets put on you for that. Even if it's not intentional, even if the other person in the conversation is perfectly understanding and is willing to have a conversation, there's a societal pressure now uh, that you will be, you'll be shamed for, for your views, right? If the majority doesn't agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other hand, if you have the majority opinion, right, there's this, um, this fear that the other person isn't going to share that, that view. And now all of a sudden, like you said, this discord comes up and that wasn't there before. And now because of how touchy everyone is, if this is something new that you now disagree with, that's just one more strain on that relationship with that person that you had. Right. I mean, even to the point where I would even say that this current administration's their uh, rise to the White House was a very public and very unorthodox fashion that everyone in America who knew of uh, Donald Trump would know who he was. So anybody who was associated with that public TV watched him, gave him his ratings, all his accolades, Comedy Central. So we... You know, typically, we can't necessarily speak on celebrities, but we feel like, oh, we feel bad for Will in this situation, or, you know, oh, you know, you relate to different people. People feel as if they can relate to Donald Trump, so the people who sided with what he said was like, oh, I, I side with this, regardless of what his background may be, and mm-hmm. now he's now a political juggernaut. You know I mean, he's right. the president of the United States. Now you have to carry those opinions throughout the presidency, and many people are like, I didn't sign up for this vote, <laughs> or they're saying... Uh, I I support him 100% of the way because he represented something that I believe in him, regardless of his background. Right. And you know, the, the 16 election is a perfect example of people not talking about politics, right? Look at yeah. all the polls that came out that showed Hillary blowing Trump out of the water mm-hmm. in almost every state, right? They were, it was crazy how big of a margin she was expected to win by, mm-hmm. right? And then it was still close, admittedly, right? It was a close race and she almost won. She did win the popular vote, but it was nowhere near what anyone, especially her, her campaign, thought it was going to be because no one was talking about it, right? No one was out there saying they were going to vote for Trump. At least, you know, I'll admit my biases, right? We were in very liberal, very small Berea, Ohio, right? When, when this was going on, right? But... I didn't hear anyone talking about the election that was going to vote for Trump, that was going to, um, that, well, that was even going to vote for that matter. Being, well, I, Sorry, go ahead. No, I was, I was just agreeing. I think 
uh, what Trump managed to accomplish uh, ever so uh, excellently was to harness the silent majority. Right. And when when you're able to speak to someone without looking at them, like you when you when you walk down the street, depending on where you're at, and you like nod your head at someone, and they nod your head back, there's a level of unspoken communication that there's that there's you know transferred. When Trump says certain things that to certain people may come off as crude or, you know, insert whatever derogatory term you want, he speaks to the, he's head nodding like half of this country. Right. And when, and you, you, I don't have to necessarily say, I know this person, but the head nod does insinuate something. I think his, his, uh, him winning was a product of those head nods. And I don't know how people are viewing the pandemic per se, but that head nod can easily come back in two seconds. Sure. And I think, you know, both sides of that is right, right? On the one side, I do think there's some level of dog whistling that, that he has going on for him, especially with his ride or die uh, supporters. But that said, I don't think it's quite as drastic as a lot of a lot of the media or a lot of the more liberal sources will will push it as, you know, where they're, they'll take something even as, as far as his Mount Rushmore speech, right? And say that he's making underlying statements about... Um, things like the Confederate flag when he didn't mention it once, right? And so this is, these are all reasons that we need to talk about these things because otherwise it's, there's a certain level of those subliminal messages and those, those head nods, the, that dog whistling that goes on. But a lot of it is just talking, right? And a lot of it is just what he's saying and the rhetoric that he's saying. But, right? you, have and, to be, but you have to be like publicly proud to agree. So when people, with, with the Obama election, people are proud to go out and repeat his messages, or at least they put it on signs and stuff like that. It's rather difficult for certain certain things you may agree with. I mean, you know, right. be it, may may be right or wrong, but you can't necessarily be proud of certain things. Because I remember I was watching a, an interview on Fox News, and they said if you look at the police reports of people who got attacked wearing Trump's hat, they said it's almost like it's ninety nine percent on Trump. They said no one has gotten murdered over a piece of clothing more, not Jordans. Not, I was like, oh my gosh, people are getting attacked like this? I mean, mm -hmm. they don't talk about that, even though, but, and that's just your right to choose a, a candidate. We're not even right. talking about what he said. We're, you may want, you may solely be focusing on education, and he hired somebody that you may like in education. And you rock the hat because, yo, I, as an American citizen, I have the right to buy what my president wants me to uh, wear. And you get attacked for that? See, that level of miscommunication creates that level of discord. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And then why would you even want to bring this up with your family? You can't, can't fight your family. Right. So that brings up the other point I wanted to bring, make about talking about politics, right? If, if, the, if the citizens don't talk politics, that leaves the entire conversation up to the politicians, right? Mm -hmm. And when you leave the entire conversation up to the politicians, that's what happens. Because the entire conversation right now about the Trump administration, about the policies he's making, about his decisions while in office or while he was campaigning, you know, about everything was up to what Trump was saying. And what Trump was saying was extremely divisive. It was extremely hateful at times. You know, it was now he spoke to a lot of people that agreed with certain values. Right. He spoke to a lot of conservative values. He did preach about a lot of policies that appealed to a lot of the conservative base, right. you know, immigration and gun rights and 
religion and things that attracted conservative voters to him, right? But the someone who doesn't already hold those values, someone that doesn't vote that way, that's not what they're hearing. They're hearing Trump. And the same goes for Hillary, right? Hillary was one of the most boring, milquetoast Democratic candidates <laughs> that could have been out there, right? And right. so when you leave the... Um, when you leave them all out of it, then, then yeah, you're left with that. Um, so I want to move on to one of the other ones, um, just so that we can get to the, the discussion part in a bit. Um, and then, cause we'll just touch on the three real quick and then we'll jump into the, into the other one, uh, into the discussion part. Um, so let's jump into religion. So what do you think about talking about religion and why people don't do it, um, you know, today? Um, I think overall, the, I guess the transparency of religions uh, has become ever more clear and accessible. And in this day and age where it's more of a tech, technological age and even in the age of technology, we were very, uh, um, what's the word, very binary base. So we're either on or off, yes or no, one or zero, one or zero. In regards to religion, you can look at the transgressions of many religions and many of those practices and whether it's on or off, on or off. But however, religion is a lot more of a permeation uh, outside of their physical mistakes. So a lot of people still gravitate to the ideals, but not necessarily the label because the label has caused um, a fair amount or at least an objective amount of uh, discord and mm -hmm. more divisiveness, uh, depending on whichever religion you want to look at. Right. So yeah, it comes back to, I think that, that shame I was talking about, right? You know, you don't want to identify as something like, I, I mean, it's any of them, right? And now, like, if you identify as a Christian, then you get as associated with certain negative things. If you get, if you associate as a Muslim, you get associated with certain negative things. A Jew, you get associated with negative things. Anymore now, nowadays, they're, they're so focused on the extreme aspects of the religion or the stereotypes or what the public figures that identify with those religions do. Um, and so there's that, that shame in admitting that, that you have it, that you hold it. And the converse of that, right, is that it's part of who you are though, right? Your faith is part of who you are, how you grew up, how you hold your values or whatever it is. And so it's a super important part of your life, but yet we're not talking about it. Yeah. There's certain core things that people, I'm a resistance comedian, uh, I forgot his name, but he's a certain things that people do all the time, and only one of them are taboo. They said, everybody poops, everybody eats, and everybody takes a shit. Uh, no, no, everybody takes a poop, everybody eats, and uh, what's the other one? I forgot what it was. Um, it's very basal, but the point was that, oh, sex. So everybody wants to talk, you know, it's rude to talk about sex where everybody laughs at pooping and eating. Like, these are uh, major things that we, uh, you know, from the beginning of time that we always had this attraction to some type of higher calling, a higher being, or some type of celestial explanation. So it's ingrained in you almost to have that type of uh, theological mindset, but to attach yourself to something more human kind of takes away the luster of it. You know what I mean? And it, can, and it kind of will ask yourself questions that you just ascribe to as a child. And you never necessarily needed to defend until now. And you're like, I don't, if I don't have to defend this, I don't have to defend it. And now I don't feel welcome because you don't welcome what I declare myself. 
I also think there's a lot of people that just don't, right? That that just don't identify as religious or don't care about religious uh, religion or or don't know enough about religion, right? And aren't interested in learning about it, right? Because it doesn't even necessarily have to be a debate of sorts or you know anything like that, but like just discussing it and sharing, you know. I took a religion class in college and I loved learning about just all the different religions and all the different beliefs and things like that. You know, no, they didn't all line up with what I believe, but knowing more about them, you know, it, it broadens your horizons. Right. And I think there's a lot of people that just don't care enough. Yeah, right? but, it doesn't apply to them. Right. And a lot of people don't, but I feel like the cop-out answer, at least maybe in the past decade was, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just an atheist or yeah. you know, I'm agnostic, but now it's, turned more of a i guess as as mental health has been actualized and uh i guess uh, listened to for the first time uh, within our society you almost see uh, a type of almost like a spirituality answer so it went from i'm just atheist i'm just this to this more of like an elaborate uh sentence you know i'm spiritual right. i don't necessarily align with the religion but i still have my own personal that's such a millennial thing yeah, it is. It is. It yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, let's let's jump to money then, uh, real quick. Um, so a third of the impolite subjects, right? And then we'll we'll go through our you know some brief thoughts on this one, and then we can open the floor a little bit. But um, but yeah. So money, um, money, I think is a big one. I think you know no one likes discussing how much you make. No one asks how much someone else makes. Um, but I think it's important to make a distinction that those aspects of money, we don't ever talk about, but other aspects of money, we talk about all the time, all as, the time. As, as aggressively as possible. Right. How much does that car cost? How much did you spend on the, you know, did you go shopping the other day? Um, right. you know, all kinds of questions that relate to cost or spending or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, your Christmas, what are you spending your Christmas bonus on? You know, things like that people have no issue with really. It's really the income question that when people say don't talk about money, they're really saying don't talk don't about talk how about much income. you make or how much other people make. Or the quality you see in the certain things. Right, right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, Good. No, I was just saying, um, I would just say that's also a very Eurocentric thing. Uh, I've mm -hmm. spent some time in like on the, on the Eastern Hemisphere like learning different languages and stuff like that. And I noticed that in regards to conversation, it is quite open to ask, you know, what do you do for a living? How much do you make? What do you make a year? Mm -hmm. How much is your rent? Those are things that are extremely uh, permissive over there to, to ask, but you can't necessarily ask personalized questions. Whereas over here, you can ask, oh, how's your mom doing? She just passed. Are you okay? Or, I mean, you can't, like, th things are, that are more uh, intimate in knowledge. Mm -hmm. We care about more. And I guess there's no uh, public intimacy noted in money so we don't embrace it as such right well and it's different with in america we value money it, it's a very money and success driven uh country right and mm -hmm. so making money is more held more highly here for a lot of people and a lot of people equate money a lot more with value or worth than they do in some of those other european countries right and so right. if you make less you for in a lot of people's eyes or at least the perception is in a lot of people's eyes you're worth less or you have less value or you provide less value yeah um, like money money shows your level of, of yeah of worth yeah. right now i mean is that true no i mean there's a certain level of it that you can equate to 
you know, supply demand contribution to society, whatever, you know, sets your income levels. Sure. But it doesn't change your value as a human, as a person, but that's the perception a lot of times in America, right? Where all of this drives a lot of our decisions and a lot of our, a lot of how society is run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're a very capitalistic society. And people always, they try to, uh, at least on both sides, I've heard them attempt to, I uh, guess, downplay the idea that it's negative or it's bad, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's a system that's worked since the Roman age. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's worked and granted, not everything that works needs to be replicated. Not everything that's replicated is right in the public mm-hmm. eye. But in regards to what makes America survive, to change that basis, to change America itself, and we've seen outside of that second amendment many things are are are, are movable except right. for certain things like that so uh i think they shouldn't necessarily attack the lifestyle but just adjust it right yeah um all right so i think with that you know i think we can jump into the discussion aspect of this you know we kind of covered all of them a little bit um before we do that i wanted to introduce the terms cognitive dissonance and confirmation bias, um, just so that people know them and are aware of them, because they're things that are super important to know about when you're talking about touchy subjects and things that can make you angry and things that you disagree with. Um, And even just knowing about them helps to avoid them a little bit more, right? Um, So I'll start with cognitive dissonance, right? So cognitive dissonance is this idea that you have strongly held beliefs already, right? And a lot of them are very deeply ingrained and underlie a lot of either your personality, your decisions, your past, what, what have you. And so they're that much more strongly held. And so the second you're presented with something different than that belief, your gut reaction, you go into defense mode and your gut reaction is to fight back. And a lot of times hearing the other opinion, the other side of things, it makes you fight back that much more and it even solidifies your views more so, right? And so that's one thing that you want to avoid when having these kind, kinds of conversations because otherwise you're not going to get anywhere. You're just going to get mad and the discussion isn't going to go anywhere, right? And, speaking, in, and in regards to discussion, not necessarily being able to catapult or transition to something bigger, when talking about certain subjects that are quote unquote taboo, you have to take the idea of confirmation bias and that say for instance, we're looking at the news and current events that we take these new ideas and new evidences for preconceived notions to solidify things that we already believe in. Mm-hmm. And it already, it just, it reinforces that. So say for instance, it's kind of like, um, I, my mind wants to so many ideas. Like every time it's like a superstition. It's like if anything, something happens, you know, you wear special underwear, the Packers win. You wear special underwear, the Packers win. But when you don't wear, they don't win. That's a very simple answer, but it can get extremely complex. And with these type of conversations, you can really see it fold, unfold. Right. Um, and then, so the other one is confirmation bias, um, which kind of goes along those same lines, right? Is the second you wear that lucky pair of underwear and they do win, then you now think that, yeah, they won because I wore my lucky underwear. Right. Confirmation bias is basically you have... A, a a set belief of what you think is going to happen and when it happens you think it happened for the reasons that you already thought right and so if you 
like you said, if, you know, if the team wins, then you think it's because of your lucky underwear, not because the quarterback on the other team didn't get a good night's sleep and was throwing like crap the whole game, right? right. Or yeah. because those things, those outside factors don't play into what you need to solidify your truth. Right. And so that can go into what people agreeing with you. You know, maybe you think, okay, yeah, they agree because I worded this so succinctly and so well. And no, it may just be that they already hold those beliefs too, right? Um, all right. So, yeah. So, with that, um, I guess we'll open it up to discussion, um, see what other people think. And, you know, if things slow down, then we'll just kind of jump back into one of them um, that we think. I do want to put a disclaimer that uh, Zoom limits free meetings to 40 minutes. And so if for whatever reason it goes on long enough that it gets cut off, um, I will send out a new Zoom link for right now. Um, but for the time being, we'll just plan to stick to 40 minutes and we'll go from there. So from there, I'm going to unmute everyone and then I guess whoever wants to start, go ahead and pick whatever you want to talk about, whichever of the three or something different, um, you know, why you think people aren't talking about these things and why you think they should more. And let it be known, this environment too is open to discussion. There's a reason why there's a level of amenity. You're free to say anything, any perspective at right. all. Hey guys, this is Ryan. Um, I joined a little bit late, so I missed the first 10 minutes. Okay, no worries. But um, I guess the big question that I have is where and how does this start, right? When do we get, when do we hold back on our beliefs, whether it's politics, religion, and money? Where does it start for us as an experience that we had or as an experience that our parents had? And when we started talking about maybe politics or money at one point in front of our parents, they're like, hey, you know, knock, knock that off. You can't, you know, you can't talk that way. You can't talk about those things. And, you know, you look at, you had made a comment about growing up a certain way and that's how your religion starts or, um, you know, you just from your roots, you grow um, and learn from your parents and it sort of starts from there. But how do people branch away? And uh, so that's one of the, one of the things I'd like to talk about. And then the other is being a business owner feels like I'm really, I'm caught with expressing my views whatsoever whether it be posting something religious or, right. or uh, saying god bless to a customer you know it just some of those things some people might take the wrong way and well will it help me gain business or would i lose business and it's always something that goes and i'm like you know what it's just not even worth worth the hassle. you try to avoid it at all times so I think I actually wanted to touch on the, what the second point you had first um, before going into where this stuff starts, uh, just because I think it's really pertinent today, right? You're seeing a lot of people getting boycotted, being canceled, being, you know, advertisers pulling out because they don't like how um, the company's behaving, right? Goya Beans just got canceled because they came out saying that Trump did a good job on something. Right. And so I think it's, it's a good point, right? It's, it's tough to say um, anymore. Um, I think you always run, regardless of what your beliefs are, I think you always run the risk of losing some customers when you, when you admit what they are, right? It happened with Chick-fil-A a while back. Um, and then, and I think it's probably happened 
to countless other companies before that. But I think the important thing is that that silent majority we were talking about earlier, um, I think the, the net effect, I, I don't know. It's, this is my gut. I don't have data backing this up, but I mean, Chick-fil-A didn't go anywhere. There was a no. lot of outrage about no. Chick-fil-A and where they were donating. So, I mean, without any data, my gut says to express your, your views and your values. Um, but I think more and more today, that's the risk that, that you're playing. Um, I think it also depends on where you're advertising, right? And where you're, where you're talking about your business too. Yeah, because there's always going to be a form of an audience prepared to listen to you. So whether you walk with the right foot or left foot first, there's going to be half the amount of people riding with you. So I guess there's no necessarily like a, a, the right way to, to go about something, or, but no matter what side you choose, there's going to be a side riding with you. I mean, like, you, you may, the silent majority can be as if where I'm going down the street and I see a restaurant open saying, we're open, you know, smiles, and you personally may not be wearing a mask. That's the silent, pe certain people will say I'm turned off, but then there's a certain amount of people that are going to say, hey, these are more forward-thinking people or whatever perspective you have, and you'll get some type of following there. Taking a stance, it can hurt, but in this in this day and age, it would hurt more, but for the people that... Um, we'll stand by it. Like when uh, Starbucks, when they said initially that, you know, they didn't want anybody wearing the Black Lives Matter stuff. As many people that wanted to cancel Starbucks, that's a, that's a multi-billion dollar worldwide international. Like this particular thing is not going to end Starbucks. And the amount of people who would now go to Starbucks because they stand, you know, against this movement, you know, they're getting benefits either way. Right. Um, I, I did want to, go ahead. I think you brought up a good point though with the masks because I think that's one case where it does matter. And this is where I disagree with you a little bit. Um, I think you're just, that's only the case because of where we are at right now. Uh, I think you've got like three segments of the population as far as masks go. You've got the young population who just doesn't care, right? They're young, they're healthy, they're gonna be fine. Um, and so if no one in the restaurant is wearing a mask, whatever, they'll still go there, right? You've got the middle, the middle, subgroup i guess that could be any age right but they're a little more hesitant right they're waiting with one foot out the door to see what happens to that first group before they do anything and maybe they'll care maybe they won't um but you run the risk of losing them and then you got the third group that absolutely cares uh right they they absolutely care about the masks and they may be older maybe more vulnerable and the problem is they're the ones with the money right and so I think masks is one example where you do need to, I don't want to say bend because right, the scientist in me knows that's the right move is to require right. masks. Um, but it's one, it's one instance where if your personal values clash with wearing masks, that's going to hurt your business more so than if your personal values are religious in nature or are, you know, really anything else. I mean, even something like Black Lives Matter, right? That's, that's much more political, right? Whereas the masks have a political element, but the safety element, the trust element, I think, trust is one of the biggest things with business, right? Someone can trust you in your business if you're Christian or if you, well, presumably if you're Christian or presumably if you don't agree with Black Lives Matter, but when their health is involved and stuff, that, that may be a little different. And I also want to at least quickly touch upon, uh, I guess, my inference when you said, where did it all start? And when I look back, when it comes to 
current topics, I love going back to history because I feel as if the narrative that history repeats itself is so prolific that we've seen it, you know, time and time again, channel after channel. Um, even in regards to the papacy and, you know, how, you know, the books, the, 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 the literature of the Bible is not meant to be, you know, read by the masses and, you know, literacy was the main form of knowledge, you know what I'm saying? Um, that whole idea that things need to be secluded and kept certain ways outside of the public eye has always been uh, a narrative, even to so that some people talk about like the Catholic church in regards to how they look at priests. We understand that we're in 2020, this is a modern thing that's happening. And there's many accounts, hundreds of accounts of that happening for decades. So I guess it's a form of what you're accustomed to. And I know that doesn't really help answer in regards to where it all starts to be secreted, but I feel as if these things are so core, they put, you know, they're, they, they're before people's names in what they believe in, so, at least for religion. Right. Yeah, no, I think, I think a lot of it is, um, you know, ingrained in you from a young age, right? Um, I think that a lot of it is just mimicking your parents, right? Not necessarily your parents even saying, shush, don't talk about that but your parents aren't talking about it, right? And when you're a kid, you don't give a crap about politics, right? And you don't, give a, you don't give a crap about politics. You probably don't, I mean, depending on your upbringing, you may or may not care about religion um, and money, you have no concept of money, right? And so I think depending on how much your parents talk about it and what they say, you know, religion is definitely going to, uh, to influence what you say later on how how you believe is i guess okay to talk about those things and i feel as if with money i would say it's it's unspoken in a general population but wouldn't you get down to the population subsects uh more of your economic circle uh money is more of a fluid discussion so depending on where you were in this country during what time you cared or didn't care if you got a stimulus check uh, depending on where part of this country you were, you're worried about if Neiman's or Marcus is still doing going to be in business, or are you worried about your 401k? There's a whole population that doesn't give a poop about their 401k because they didn't necessarily attain those specific knowledge pieces to make those type of moves. So I guess either we broaden or become more inclusive of other subgroups, and I don't think that will happen in America because of taxes and. Uh, redlining a whole bunch of stuff but in regards to money people in your group social economic group should be able to discuss it i think quite easily right all right real quick there's one person that my computer won't let me unmute so i'm gonna hit unmute everyone and then see if that lets them talk and feel free to mute your own audio if you don't want to talk afterwards but all right I think that did the trick. We'll see. Uh, yeah. All right. I think so. Right. Any other thoughts from anyone? All right. I guess it's me and you, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's go. I want to jump back to money real quick because I had one point that I wanted to make that I think is important. The um, We were talking about it at one point before, but so Fidelity did a, a survey back in 2018. They surveyed uh, couples 
on financial situations and their money worries and things like that. And one of the questions they asked both members of the, of the couple was how much their partner made. Um, and for 34% of the couples that they asked, the answer to their income and the answer their partner gave for their income did not match. And so 34% of couples, at least one of them, did not know how much the other one was making. And I, I think it, it's a testament to how little we talk about these things to where even in the most comfortable situation, presumably the most comfortable situation, right? You're just not discussing this at all to the level where you don't know how much your husband or wife or partner is, is making. And it, it struck me because like, again, it's one of the most important things in our lives and it's so important in making so many other decisions, right? If you want to take a vacation, if you want to talk about savings, if you want to talk about retirement, if you want to talk about anything future related, really money is a factor. And so not talking about it to where you don't even know how much your partner makes, I, I think it's, it surprised me that that, that, few, um, that few of couples actually knew that information. Do you think it's more of a pride thing of why that is? Maybe, maybe. I wouldn't be surprised to find out if it correlated, right, that like the, the one that got it wrong, um, right. the, the one that was wrong was in a lower income, right? So right. maybe. Like, like what was the accuracy of the breadwinner? Right, yeah, exactly. So that one I wouldn't be surprised. Well, so see, I don't know. Because again, it comes back to the shame and the fear, right? Because I think on the one hand, you're afraid of what the person is going to think if you make too little. But there's also this level of shame in making too much, right? At least as far as making the other person feel bad or, you know, making it seem like you are, I guess, in charge of sustaining the family or sustaining the couple or whatever, whatever it is, um, whatever you think the perception is going to be. So I, I guess I could see it going either way, but I would guess that the breadwinner was guessed right and the one that was guessed incorrectly they put a number that was too high and, and they didn't or, or it could be too low like you assume that they they don't make enough because you guys are always struggling like, wouldn't, that be, wouldn't that be a, such a calamity oh or, or i guess it's since in the discussion of money they could have lied right that's true they, they might have actually known and didn't want to confront the fact that they do know or that i know that we make more than how much we're expending you know what i mean like how much of this is you know there's not enough you know double blind studies and repeats and all of those stuff right right another interesting exactly. thing with the the money exactly i want to jump in there on the, on the corporate side if i can for a second yeah sure so on the corporate side you know we talk about uh we don't talk about money so we encourage folks if if i've got a hundred folks in a building we encourage them not to speak about how much money they make because it creates animosity mm. and it creates negative morale within a building too. So we actually encourage folks not to talk about how much money they make between themselves. Uh, yeah, I was, my father always told me to do that. He said, never, when you go to work, never discuss money. And I never really understood why. Yeah. And I think, you know, that animosity, right. It comes down to what we were talking about that money equals value or money equals worth. Right. So if you find out that so-and-so is making, a couple bucks an hour more than you 
well, what the hell? They're not worth a couple hours more. They're, they're not worth a couple bucks more than me. You know, I do just as much work or yada, 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 or this is what they do poorly. Right. And then um, you encounter, you encounter situations such as, uh, you know, the, is there a glass ceiling complex? Why does this sector group of people not make it? I'm more qualified. And is there nepotism? Right. Now to push back against the, the corporate side, I will say that I'm not at all surprised if an element of that training is rooted in the fact that if more people are talking about it, more people are going to find out that someone is making more than them because they were willing to push for a raise, even though they're doing the same amount of work or they have the same responsibilities or whatnot, right? You know, maybe they were interviewing for the same or a very similar position, but they had the gumption, they had the guts to, in the interview or, you know, after going through the interview process, say, well, how about this much? and push for a little more money and get a little more money and then that gets out and all of a sudden now you've got to give raises to everyone else who found out so while i think that a lot of it is to prevent the animosity i think a little bit is also to prevent corporate from losing a little bit more money exactly i think we also had someone else that we wanted to say something while we got that first right yeah yeah if you had a comment that you, you wanted to say something you didn't get to yeah, this is Ryan again. I was just, I was just saying um, when you guys were talking about that study with, did you say it was fidelity? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, when, you know, couples aren't don't share their bank accounts or the banking or two different banking. Mm -hmm. A lot of that I think stems from when they actually got married or together. You know, I feel like, you know, I don't know what the stats are again, but a lot of people are focusing on their education and their careers and then then focusing on getting married so i don't know what the average marriage age is now but you know i got married when i was 20 21 and it was just a natural thing to do hey we had two separate bank accounts but you know we were just graduating college so they barely had a couple bucks in it you know right so it was easy to combine and just share one one bank account and then moving forward was great but people that have already been established they have their own house their own vehicles, their own financing, and they're getting married 30, 35 later in life, uh, that could play a little bit of a factor of where it's like, it's tough to, tough to join, join accounts, even though they're on the same team, it might not play that way. Well, I'll even challenge the question to the audience in regards to, does your spouse, in regards to the three things that we mentioned in regards to religion, uh, money, or, um, was about politics yeah. would you say that are there certain opinions whether you know short that you can rattle off that you would say your your partner may not exactly know about or not know entirely and i challenge you to you know put it on you know says what needs to be said right or the things that you haven't shared with your partner for a certain reason right yeah well and what would be the reason yeah <laughs> yeah we'll see See if we can answer to that one. We'll see if anybody anybody does it. I'm sure your counterpart is not watching this secretly in the other room. I'm almost certain of that. Never know. I guess you would never know. <laughs> well, Zach, what about you? Was there have you ever been in, in a in a relationship or a form of entanglement where you see any of these three being fabricated or um so at least as far as my own relationships have gone, I've never been anything committed enough that we've needed to talk about shared, like mm -hmm. income, shared, you know, bank accounts, stuff like that. I've always been upfront, right? Everyone I 
dated during it knew how much I was making on my stipend um, as a grad student, right? I, I told them about it. Um, I don't know if I've ever been told how much they were making, to be completely honest. Um, I do know that um, politics has been a tricky one in the past. Mm. Politics is what religion has never really been that bad, um, mm. though I don't think we've ever had stark differences. But yeah, politics, politics has been a tricky one. That one has been one that I think that one's a problem sometimes because it can reveal big differences in underlying values. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of people don't want to talk about that one because mm. you find out some stuff about not necessarily whether the person is good or bad, right? But that they value different things more or less highly than you do. Uh, I would definitely, I, I would say in my relationships, if I were to think back, I wouldn't necessarily say that I had to be upfront because I just came out of college. You know, we're not, you know, we're not making, we're not five years into any company per se. Right. Um, I've been with my uh, current girlfriend for a couple of years now and I kind of took it, took that angle, not only because I, you know, I care about her and that's my relationship, but money is an a vicious attractor regardless of who the person is and you never really know who that person is outside of the money and maybe that may be something in regards to what i was speaking about earlier about the compassion behind it like there's no money may unveil something like let a let a relative die with a, a large amount in the will you know, it brings out the evil in people you know you see countless movies and you know, hundreds of real stories where that actually has happened you're like Huh, who would have thought that you know this would have spurred this? Yeah, for sure. Let's see, what else can we jump to? Talk about religion. We haven't talked about religion that much. That's almost ironic. That's almost ironic. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, but yeah, I think you know, you made a good point earlier with religion about how it's being more and more intertwined with politics and intertwined with the most negative aspects of each religion, right? And people are almost afraid to identify with one or uh, one or another one. Um, and so I think more and more, you know, it used to be Christian or not Christian, but now, I guess ever since 9-11, people have been more afraid to come out as Muslim. Mm -hmm. um well and probably before that right because there's always been some racist sentiments and, and other factors right but especially i guess since then um there's always talking about money there's always been negative stereotypes about jews with with money and being cheap and things like that um and so i think i don't know i mean i i'm trying to think of it within my own experiences if anyone has ever associated any negative stereotypes with me because of my religion i don't think so um but i guess i wanted to pose that to to the group too like if you think you know we talked a little bit about it on the business side right and how you don't necessarily you, you withhold it a little bit because of the fear of maybe losing customers or you know offending someone or, or something along those lines um but yeah i don't know i guess i'm just wondering how how people feel about religion and you know revealing what your faith is and you know is it comfortable for you can you openly wear it as part of who you are or is it something that you kind of withhold and unless it's asked of you i also just got a text from someone that i can pass along it says people can't have a logical conversation and an emotional conversation at the same time 
It's one or the other. Politics, religion, and money are all either emotional or logical. And I think that's a good point, right? It's the emotional elements of it. If you can deviate away from those, if you can steer clear of the underlying emotionality, then I think you can have a very fruitful conversation about any of the three. Or just have um, a really frightening conversation with no intonation. Right. Be, you know what I mean? Right. There's, a, there's a level of, the, I guess, the human compul- uh I mean, even to, to win the presidency, you don't necessarily have to walk in with facts. You have to tailor to someone's emotion. Mm-hmm. You have to tap into that person. You have to stand on a podium and a thousand miles away, inspire me to wake up from my plans and what I believe in. And that's almost, I mean, it's not a shock, but it's something that, you know, it's all through Ryan money. Money is equated to power and you can get love from it. You can get the world you want. And a lot of people have these dreams and they close their eyes and they believe in themselves and this belief carries emotion. Uh, I think that was a really great point that emotion does drive a lot of it. Right. And I think that's why it's harder to talk about it too, because like we said, if we don't talk about it, we leave it to the politicians. Right. And when you leave it to the politicians, you're left with that, that intermingling of the emotion and the logic, right? Because that's how, that's the game plan. That's how you sell them. Um, And if you're not able to sell them, you don't get the votes. And so if you're left with that conversation, then sure, how can you just talk about it logically anymore? Because when you start bringing up the logic of it, right, and try to have a more fact-driven argument, right, let's say the wall, right, we're talking politics, right, you want to bring up the wall in mid-2016 campaign and have a logical conversation on whether or not it's a good idea, right? The second you bring up that argument, regardless of which side you're on, it's very hard to tear that apart from all of the the rhetoric and the emotionality underlying those issues and what was being discussed, right? And regardless of how you feel about it. Uh, I think I would have to, I, I kind of want to hear from the perspective, from the, you know, from the guys in the, in the comments, just in the, in the audience, just because right. I want to get like that different perspective, because the whole point, we could bring about our own perspectives, but we won't be able to bridge that gap unless. Right. Feel free to use the Zoom chat, too, if you don't feel like talking. There's a yeah. Zoom group chat function, too, we can use uh, if you just want to punch in a little comment or something or a topic you want to touch on. Mm-hmm. I guess while we wait, um, what do you think about 2020 with, with this, with the silent majority and everything, you know, the polls are showing very similar to 2016 and even a lot stronger, right? That Trump's going to get blown out of the water to Biden. Um, I think, I think, unfortunately, I guess if you were to look at it objectively, there's many deterrents for either one. Right. And many people have the issue with even the concept of the fact that there is an either one. Uh, speaking of which, uh, a Mr hip-hop artist Kanye West just did his first press uh, press run in Southern California, in South Carolina. Didn't he drop out? No, no, no. So I guess that was a lie. And oh, then uh, he was actually registering to, I guess, get caught up in the certain states. So he was down there in the bulletproof vest trying, talking to people, clearly, you know, a room full of people professing his wanting to run. And, you know, people have the freedom to do that. Right. I think that we're going to see a lot of that come come this election. We're going to have a lot of people that they say, do I listen to the to the traditional or do I go unorthodox? Because then they look at traditional up until 
you know, for uh, you know, President Obama. Then we go even before President Obama. You know, we look at Bush. Um, we this is conventional. Then we went unconventional. Then we went very unconventional. You know, how do we continue this road, or do we go back to what we know? Right. You know what's going to happen, though? If that's the case, if that's the case, Trump's absolutely going to win, right? Because what's going to happen is the difference, one of the differences between the parties is that Democrats will, Democrats are much more likely to back away from a candidate if they have a bad taste in their mouth, right? For whatever reason. Um, But the, um, but, but, you know, the Republicans aren't, like, there's going to be very few Republicans other than, like, the never Trumpers that are going to bail and vote for Kanye, even though Kanye may be running on a lot of things that agree that they agree with, right. They're going right. to, they're going to fall in line. I think right. it's going to wind up being him taking black voters away from Biden at the end of the day. Unfortunately, uh, that is a, probably a true sense of me. We did get a question, uh, a comment in the chat. Yeah. Um, so I, I says, I think that's why so many people voted for Trump. The hope is that they're going off road it would give us a better candidate. Oh, kind of like a scare tactic. Well, no, I think it was the the breaking away from the the status quo, right? The I'm I'm tired of politicians. I'm tired of how things are done in Washington. I want someone new and fresh that is different, right? That'll break away from that normal, yeah. um, and that the that someone that isn't classically trained as a politician will do better as a politician, right? Yeah, well, the one and thing I, about, see that, I saw that a lot. Yeah, go ahead. No, so, no, I was saying that the one thing about when you make these votes uh, back in 20, 2016, you don't, have to, you don't necessarily have to write a book report at 2020. You, know, you don't have to discuss where mm-hmm. did your vote go? How did you feel afterwards? Was this what your plan was? You just vote next. Yeah. And I think the next vote will be that progress report. That's true. Yeah, it'll see, you know, like you were saying earlier, right? A lot of people are split on Trump. And I think you see that in his approval ratings, right? It's either the, the ride or dies, or the ones that are upset about something that he's doing, right? You know, regardless of what it is for each person. Um, And I think it's, I think we have seen that going off road has maybe, you know, whether or not you want to say it's better or worse, it's been different. It's been a hell of a lot different. I mean, right. one thing about one thing about Trump, unfortunately, we're gonna have to be strictly objective. Is, is uh, compared to the status quo, his uh, I guess his mistakes don't necessarily match up to his achievements. However, we cannot discredit the level of successes that this administration has had compared to many others. One one of which I interestingly I always bring tend to bring up is that Trump has done more for uh, historically black colleges than any president ever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that will never go in the news because that will like, it would create too much bipartisanship. Yeah. You know I mean, I think president Obama took away 144 million uh, during the last year of his presidency uh, from each one and president, president Trump gave 255 million each year. Um, whether it be a political player or not, that's help that won't be celebrated. There's many laws that he did pass that did do some justice, that did push America forward. Maybe objectively looking at it, did it push us above our transgressions? Maybe not, but that's up to you know, the next person to describe. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. 
Would you say that at the time of uh, the election in 2016 that America needed a new pulse, like that type of off-road perspective to, uh, four years down the line? Um, are you taking, like, my personal views on it? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think both sides, yeah, yeah, I would say so. You know, I think both sides, regardless of party, I think you see the same kind of corruption, you see the same kind of um, gridlock, you see the same kind of just inability to relate to the average person, right? And so a lot of that is it's not politician specific but it seems that way when politicians keep doing that same stuff all the time right and you see that most i think in all the whataboutism that people say right you know anytime you criticize anyone um on either side you know someone on the other side will say well what about so and so they did the same exact thing right uh, look at hillary's emails right that was a big one and then Ivanka Trump got in trouble for doing the same exact stuff or very similar, right? right? And so it leads to a lot of that whataboutism. And it's like, you don't, that, that's the issue, right? The issue is it does happen on both sides. The issue is that both sides are committing a lot of these, whether they're crimes or whether they're just detached from what people think, right? And so, yeah, I think personally, I did think that, that something needed to change what that was i i don't know <laughs> but but yeah and the question is do we need to go back or do we need to venture out even further i think that's what biden's running on right biden's running on going back he's the i'm the safe candidate i'm not trump i'm i'm going to bring us back to the obama era and and bring things back to quote unquote normal now i now, think that go ahead i was going to say the anybody who voted for trump that would hear Biden subliminally say that's bringing back to the Obama era would double down on the Trump vote because the whole point, well, depending on who you ask, the Trump vote was a, uh, some people, I know a couple people that said it was in spite of Obama and the stuff he made and we needed someone that, to really shake things up. And I guess sure. that would be Obama's stability and him shaking the things up. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think it plays into religion a lot too, right? You know, you see a lot of the, a Christianity especially, right? You're seeing a lot of those negative aspects that are now getting generalized to a lot of the rest because people are link, linking it to Trump, right? People are linking Christianity to Trump now. And when Trump stands in front of a church with the Bible for a photo op, right. they now link that on some level, whether it's subliminally or not, to Christianity, Right. And so that then I think leads to a lot of these concerns about openly wearing your religion on your sleeve. You know, it's it's one more. It, this is a this is a little bit of a leap. Right. But it's one more thing that you are now associating yourself with Trump on one level. And a lot of people don't like that. Um, and so that's but, one more thing that you're not allowed to talk about now. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm not sure if the silent majority is looking for an opportunity to speak their piece or to, I guess, combat it. Because I feel like a lot of, like today, there was a, uh, right outside um, where I live, there was a um, a no mask, uh, what's it called? A protest. Where there's a bunch of people <clears throat> with, without masks and they're saying, well, give us back our freedoms. Now the question is, 
do you want your freedoms for the sake of like your health and wellness and stuff like that? Like, do, are you, do, do you care if someone does this? Do you care if I'm Christian? Do I care if Trump uh, has a, has a Bible? I, do I care? He's associated with that. I'm associated with that. You know what I mean, I have my own personal association. So, you know, whoever the person is with their deity, regardless of what the representation is, same thing with the idea of keeping it closed in from like a religious uh, historical pretense. We also got a comment here. Um, it says that I think that some of the people who voted in favor of Trump may have seen the error in their ways and my may not uh, necessarily be Biden's let's go back as a threat, but as a saving grace. True. Yeah, true. Probably. You know, and I think that's what he's, what not what he's aiming for, but I think, you know, in, especially now when Trump's um, approval rating is plummeting so much, you know, I think that's part of the reason why Biden is, is sticking to those guns, sticking to that, that platform, you know, because he sees the base deteriorating and it's deteriorating because of how Trump's acting for one way or another. And so if you appeal to, well, all right, this didn't work. Let's restart and go back to how things were before. You know, you can then, you can then bring that, um, bring that person back over, right, to the other side. The, and, is, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. So the, the one thing I think is that there's, it depends on which Trump voter you've got too, though, right. because on the other hand, Biden is also now adopting much more, many more of the progressive elements, right, in his, in his platform, right? He's taking some verbatim from Bernie's platform. And so a lot of those Trump voters, it depends on what they value and how highly they value it, right? Because on the one hand, you've got, oh, well, Trump's screwing something up. And then on the other hand, you've got, well, but the alternative is now becoming a, a progressive candidate, which is much more of a leap than the middle ground moderate Biden that he used to be running as, right? And so I think it will depend on how he carries himself between now and November and how far those uh, unhappy Trump voters are willing to jump. And I think even we're even speaking not for the more uh, sentient voter, the more, I guess, the more uh, research-based voter uh, trying to take a more objective approach because if you were watching some of uh, Biden's uh, recent uh, speeches and videos and his overall behavior, uh, we're noticing, uh, at, least you, at least you can attest to this, as you also uh, have a neuroscience background, that we're seeing some form of cognitive decline, uh, very, uh, very Biden. glaring. Biden. Yeah, in Biden. Okay. I would say in Biden, more, way more uh, yeah. than in Trump, to the point where it's now affecting limbic area and emotional responses. And I think... You know, even his even his national commercials have like mistakes in it, and you wonder, can this person survive until November? Will it progress? And does this person carry four more years of cognitive wherewithal to be the leader of the entire country? Yes, Trump's bad, but he's now, you know, everybody's just finally swallowed the the, the bad fruit. You know what I mean, everybody's already right. taken the sour milk. You're like, whatever, I already drank it. Let's go. Yeah. Well, so um, one of the ways I keep hearing Trump being described right is a mud monster. And so the thing about that is the more you throw at him, he's already a mud monster. And so he's already looks, if you're, if you've already decided to vote for Trump, you've already looked past all that mud. And so a little more mud isn't that 
different, right? But someone like Biden, who came into the campaign more or less pure, right? At least in the perception of, of the average voter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now when something like that is thrown at him, um, regardless of whether it's actually something clinical, regardless of whether it's actually something that's going to keep deteriorating, it looks bad. It looks real bad because it's now some mud on an otherwise quote unquote pure candidate. Um, it pers- at least as far as perception goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, look at it from, from looking at him and his, his speeches and his interviews, it, it's tough not to see some level of decline there. Right. And it's tough to say that it's just him making mistakes. It's tough to say that it's just gaffes, right? Cause he did gap. He did a lot of gaffes before he stuttered every so often before, but it's a, it's a clear difference between the two, right? Between before and now what you're seeing. Yeah. And I think, I don't think that a lot of people that are voting for him, I don't think a lot of them care necessarily because I think a lot are voting for his VP at this point. I think it'll depend on who he puts in VP. And if the average Biden voter thinks that the VP is candid, uh, capable, then at that point, while you're voting for them, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter you know, as, as horrible as this sounds doesn't maybe matter if Biden can make it to four years because your quote-unquote replacement um, can can do the job, right? And a lot maybe just be voting to get Trump out, right? And it doesn't necessarily matter if Biden can't handle it because at least it's not Trump, right? That's that's the line I've heard a lot of times is I just can't vote for Trump or I, I can't bring myself to vote for Trump or anyone but Trump, right? Vote blue no matter who, or what is it? Yeah, vote blue no matter who. I have heard that narrative before. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think I just hope that that the narrative of, um, I guess, choosing big because I don't think the the average because you said the average would be picking off of the VP. I don't. I wouldn't say the average uh, Biden supporter or voter would necessarily know his options in regards That's to true. the VP. You know what I mean? Like those are those are some really, uh, I guess. Uh, intimate specifics that you would have to really be involved in politics and understand it and right. you know, be a part of it to know that level. And I think those are nowhere near his average yeah, uh, voter. Same way, how, same way how I think Trump's average voter uh, has no idea of in regards to his uh, international policies. Because I have personally haven't spoke, seen Trump speak on his uh, international policies uh, from a more like logistics standpoint. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's bring it back to, well, I guess we'll wait for a minute, you know, and if anyone has any comments on that stuff, feel free to either throw it in the chat or, or speak up. Um, but so let's bring it back to now talking about these three things, right? Talking about politics, talking about religion, talking about money. We, we focused on politics a lot. You know, that's kind of where the, the conversation got steered, um, and that's okay. Um, but how does continually talking about these things change some of these issues we've talked about, right? We talked about how people are afraid to reveal their religion because of how other people think of them. Uh, we talked about being afraid to talk about money because it's going to instill animosity in you and your fellow employees and breed hate and breed contempt you know, or how couples don't even reveal how much money they make to each other. Um, We talk politics a lot, you know, and how it may come in 
in between people in relationships. It may make people think a certain way of you or assume things about your values because of who you're voting for. So how, how does talking about all this help? You know, and I want to open it up to everyone first. Obviously, I have my own thoughts, too. Um, and we can talk about it, too. But I wanted to open it up to everyone just to see, you know, this is a little more less incendiary question. But, you know, how do you guys think talking about it more will help this? Um, or do you think it will help? Or do you think this is kind of a lost cause and, and people are inevitably just going to ignore these three, co- uh, these three topics? Right. Well, I think, uh, Zach, this is Justin. Um, I think it's kind of like religion. It's like if it spreads, if it's just local and it's just us talking over and over again, uh, it's, it's really not going to affect the masses because you're really fighting against um, advertisement and all this other political uh, slam campaigns and uh you're not really going to get anything done if you're just talking about it in a localized group it's more uh you got to inform your friends and and really it's about making that a uh with other people that don't have the same point of view as you to make it permeable to talk about it Um, that's my thing yeah yeah Yeah, no that's a good point right you gotta not just talk about it but encourage other people to talk about it too and people outside of your bubble right because yeah. if if ann arbor is the only place talking about it or if, you know ohio is the only place talking about it then that's only it basically just becomes a fraternity and then you got people on the outside hating you and it's never gonna get anywhere mm-hmm. but then the question is how like if like how vulnerable is someone willing to be like how accepting, like you, Zach, you, you stated that you walked into a class about multiple religions and you were excited because you were willing to accept the information given, whether it be left, right, or indifferent. Um, you know, is, is that something that, you know, we walk into these conversations about money. Are you, humble, are you humble enough to say I'm okay with where I'm at or I'm not okay with where I'm at and I'm okay not being okay. I can listen to right. this person's wealth and be proud of them. Or... Am I secure with who I want to vote for? And why do I feel the need to convince someone to vote for me when I could just listen to their point? You know, we could have a conversation beyond. Um, yeah, I, I always like trying to focus back on the, uh, the uh, comments. We just got one that says, and a lot, a lot may just be devoting to get Trump out. If you want to see change, people have to be more willing to get uncomfortable. And if it's not important enough to people, they're not going to want to get uncomfortable right yeah right but i see i think you see that that correlation too if you're look at who does talk about politics more right generally and look at who votes right it's and i'm not saying on party but mostly age right you know people our age they don't talk you know i'm talking millennials mostly they, they don't vote for at all and they also don't discuss Right. I would they, say not. I would. I would not have to disagree. I would say they have the most to say. That well, okay, that's don't, true. Don't they're, well, so they're outspoken as far as their own views, but they're unwilling to discuss and openly hear other views. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but you're right. They are very outspoken about their own views. Um, they but just they're not. But, but like they're ex- they're expressive about their own views, but they <laughs> find it difficult to. Uh, enact or use the powers that be to make that change. Mm-hmm. They always say the young voters came out, the young voters do this. Young voters are not a consistent vote. Right. And I think, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, right. Well, and that's why Bernie kind of 
burned out because he wasn't able to turn out the the population that he was hoping to, especially during primaries. Yeah, that's definitely not going to be something that he's going to be able to tap into. And I don't think right. that's for any young generation. Well, I think um, if you look at Anonymous's uh, point there, you also have to uh, contrast that with sensitivity and that being a trend and being PC uh, and being overly sensitive actually makes it so that these conversations can't happen. Like, for example, like with the Black Lives Matter, there's a lot of things you really can't say to just contrast things without people getting extremely upset about just saying like, okay, well, if you're talking about it fiscally, if you're talking about it economically, as long as you say anything against it, people are going to get very, very sensitive. And I don't know how to overcome that. Um, but that is like a first step is people need to be less, less sensitive. Unfortunately, I think it's like a more like it's more of like a pop culture thing in regards to it was just like, the, I think it really started, not started per se, but at least I noticed a different type of public response when uh, I was watching Cartoon Network, admittedly, and they were talking, they had like a whole 30 minute segment on bullying. And up until maybe, and bullying's a huge topic and it's a huge deal, but up until maybe um, so 2014, bullying took kind of like the same principle outside of like cyberbullying and it wasn't this huge thing where every, every type of outcry needs to be heard. So then for that fourth, for that next 20 year span, so now until uh, probably 2024, whatever we see next, um, we're going to see uh, that type of sensitivity rain out until it gets overburnt or gets overused and then you can't do anything. Because eventually this is going to affect like media stations and they can't post things objectively or you can't say, say things. I mean, they're even trying to attack like comedians because they can't post their own personal ideas. No, you have the right to do that. And you have the right, you don't have the right to listen to me, but you can't restrict my rights to say what I want to say. Right. Yeah, and I think that's only being seen more and more, right? Uh, we talked about cancel culture um, and how that's kind of going on. I think that's going on with um, this stuff too, right? You mentioned comedians. Comedians is a big one. Um, look at how much uh, how much grief Dave Chappelle got for his more recent, um, his more, most recent specials. But like, that's how Dave, Dave Chappelle always was, right? He was always, you know, not PC. He was always, you know, okay. saying content that was pissing people off, right? But now people are, again, if they're unwilling and not open to hearing what they don't agree with, right? That cognitive dissonance is kicking in even more. And so when they hear that, they don't like it. And so now they think, not only do I disagree with that, and I personally am not going to support this person, but I think other people should not support him either. And then you get into the, you know, the boycotts and the, the, the protests and things like that. Yeah, and like I was telling you the other day, that evolves over time too. Like I was telling you, I was shocked when I walked, watched um, – Eddie Murphy's Delirious, uh, I just found it on Netflix, right? And oh, I was wow. like, well, they, they just slam, like, it was, that's 1983, right? But they just right. slam gay people nonstop. Like, yeah. bag is every other word. Like, yeah, it's crazy. I thought, yeah, I almost find it almost hysterical that there's certain capsules of information that's untouchable. Like, certain songs are almost untouchable. Certain legendary level. Uh, and, and the question is, 
why should Eddie Murphy be Eddie Murphy be saved? You know what I mean? Like in this culture, it's, they're coming down at everybody. You know what I mean? Why isn't he also getting this brunt? Um, I actually don't even have no, I have no idea why. I would expect him to at least, because Delirious and Raw are like, you watch it now, you're cringing. I don't care what your perspective is. Like, it's funny as hell. Um, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was, I was just saying, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know what I mean? It's just, it's it's only a matter of time. And I think even if they try to do that, like, it won't. I think that might be the breaking point. Like, hey, let's cancel this. They're like, what? Right. I think that's that's another reason it's important to talk about these things, right? It's because if you don't talk about it, it just leads to that anger, right? You know, we had the comment earlier, it's either emotions or logic, right? You have to pick one, right? And with a lot of these issues, when you lose logic, it goes from tearing down Confederate statues, for example, to tearing down statues of Frederick Douglass, right? And Abraham Lincoln. And it go because the logic has left. It's just the, the emotionality left, the anger left that, that is, that's still around. And so you see it um, actually manifest in stuff like that, in, in, in people's actions, right? And so you see the same thing in people canceling, right? And you were saying they're canceling everyone, right? It's probably only a matter of time before Eddie Murphy gets hit too. It's just he's, he's got a certain level of legendary status that's protecting him for a little while, right? Yeah, but, every, I think, every, but everybody eventually comes on, even Harvey Weinstein. I'm not saying... Right. They're the same, but everybody gets their day. Even um, right. Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. that, that's just it, though, right? It's not relevant right now. If there was a, like, somebody beat up a gay person or something like that, it would become, like, newsworthy all of a sudden because everybody starts to uh, trend to these topics and the news actually becomes uh, uh, hit enough to actually, uh, for the media to want to pick it up at that mm-hmm. point. They don't want to like, pick it up when, it, when it's not relevant or right, more relevant. You're right. I mean, uh, on, uh, say, for instance, and this would be the biggest mistake they ever made, uh, whoever they may be, to make a 40th anniversary of uh, of the Eddie Murphy delirious. Like, that, that'll, destroy his, <laughs> that'll destroy his life. You know? <laughs> There's no way. No, you can't survive that. Like, there, there's too many things, like from ableism and making fun of somebody being in a wheelchair to classism and, and the whole the whole oh, the, the f word concept and you know what I mean there's a lot there's a lot there and he would get turned over completely and that, but I, I I honestly don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to look down upon that like a Murphy delirious like when I was watching I was like I caught, sort of saw I was like more like a change in uh my own like political view i'm like man i, I would have watched this in like the 90s and been like oh yeah that's yeah, pretty funny but like now i'm like man it's a little uncomfortable like mm-hmm. like how much he's literally saying like 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 distancing himself so much with gay people that like he's like pr- promoting hate essentially right but i mean in, in the comment in this comment section would be also uh, i remember him saying this too he you know he he's denounced his uh material before he said you know that of the time and he regrets that now and I guess a lot of people they, we could accept that from Eddie Murphy but I guess it's a time thing because they didn't accept that with Kevin Hart with his jokes that he made and they wanted him to apologize for the mistakes he made 10 years ago 
Mm-hmm. You know, we, and we could go five years ago and look at, you know, stand-ups who are in business today. Not saying Kevin Hart's not in the business, but he had to step down from his platform uh, that he was going to because of that. Right. Yeah, and he wasn't able to host, what was it, the Oscars? or Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, you make a good point. The time is important, right? Eddie Murphy had a, had a chance between his material and now to establish himself as a legend, to establish yeah. himself as someone who is not worth canceling, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then that apology carries a little more weight, right? Eminem has said the same stuff about his music, right? He's come out and said a lot that he, you know, that he regrets all of the homophobic slurs he used, right? He, you know, and he's been doing that for a long time, right? He's saying with Elton John um, to to prove that he wasn't homophobic and things like Mm -hmm. that. But again, he's a juggernaut in the industry, right? So he's, quote unquote, allowed to make that slip up and, and survive. He's also he's also kind of uh, redeemed himself a bit. Like if you you've seen the interview, yes, that was amazing. Uh, <laughs> oh, that scared me. Where he came, oh. like yeah, I'm gay. <laughs> like I'm in the middle of that. So like I guess he sort of uh, rather than distancing himself, he sort of Immersed embraced himself. it by taking that role in the movie. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess I don't know. Any anything else you guys want to touch on? Any final um, comments or final thoughts? Yeah, we kind of covered a little, a little bit of everything. Um, are, are you weary of what November is going to look like? What's <laughs> leading up to that? <laughs> when will COVID be over? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, so I work in the hospital. So I work in like numerous uh, hospitals in my area, and from what from the top all the way up, all the way I guess lower down the echelon to the surgeons. Uh, we're not going to see our numbers get back within surgeries and elective surgeries to at least 2022. And a lot of economists are saying that. Like a lot of people have this idea that January 1st, 2021 will change anything, but that'll be the heat of the flu season. And we'll see a, a second wave <laughs> we haven't seen before. Well, do you, is that because of like UV related because of the sun or like seasonally because it's colder or? Um... It depends on, I guess, how we look at it. A lot of some researchers said that you know the sun is going to take a lot of it, but there's going to be immune compromise. And one thing that this virus it seems to attach itself to are immune compromising pre uh, either predispositionary uh, ailments or environments that breed that type of uh, bodily reaction. So flu season, when it's cold, people tend to get sick. When you tend to get sick, you invite your immune system is not strong enough and you can invite more than you normally would. You wouldn't be outside, you'd be locked in. And with school not necessarily changing uh, in the fall, we haven't seen anything from the current administration, we're going to see a lot more people get sick because a lot of these kids go home with their grandparents and their parents. They go to, parents have to go to work. They have to make money. And we're gonna, it's going gonna, it's gonna to compound in a way that we really haven't seen before. Yeah, I was just thinking about this with you being, uh, I don't know, if you, in, the, in the medical field, mm-hmm. um, you might want to do an episode like on the infrastructures related to COVID and how things are going to have to recover and stuff like that too. Uh, I would I would love to because there's a there's a, a very interesting perspective. Um, I would say that people in the hospital have compared to outside. Well, we definitely speak on speak on that next time or upcoming. For sure. Yeah. It also probably make it relevant and get you guys a lot more uh, subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get there. This is episode one. Well, episode zero. This zero. is our preliminary start. All right. All right. So one last check. 
anything else anyone wants to talk about, whether it's politics, religion, money. I know we started, we talked a lot of politics, a little bit of religion, not too much money, but a little bit of everything. Um, any final thoughts, comments, questions, topics that you want to discuss briefly? And we're probably running out of time on the Zoom meeting, but <laughs> yes, we'll give it a minute. And if not, um, while I'm waiting, um, so like I said at the beginning, for those who weren't weren't in yet, um, basically this episode was hoping to just start the conversation, just discuss the discussion, right? And talk about these discussions with politics, with religion, with money, things that were quote unquote, not allowed to talk about typically. And so from here on out, the episodes are gonna be a little more focused. Um, we're gonna jump into one of these in particular probably, and maybe have some crossover, right? You know, we talked about how one thing affects a lot of these at once, right? COVID is an example where it's very political. It affects people's money and a lot of people are finding their religion nowadays. Um, but typically we're gonna try to pick uh, an issue or two specifically that delves into one of these in particular. And if we can run through the three uh, in succession uh, politics, then maybe next week we'll do religion and next week we'll do money or something along those lines. Um, and so, sorry, go ahead. No, sir. And anything in general that may run across your mind, like as, as you know, as someone needs to be saying grows, this can be more of a community where you even come in of a hot topic that may be boiling right. you up that we may have an idea on speaking on, but since it's so pertinent, we can speak on it here, open up the discussion and really flush out the idea and attach it to roots that we can then dive into. Right. So I posted some links to our socials in the chat. Um, for those of you who may be listening in the future, if we post this, um, join our discord um, and we can, and then you can continue the conversation afterwards. We'll have a, channel for every episode that we can keep talking after this is done and after the episode is over. Um, like us on Facebook, like us on Twitter. Um, we've also got a couple constraints on us currently, right? Like I said at the beginning, Zoom only allows a 40-minute um, meeting for free users. Um, so if you want to see these go longer, um, definitely I would encourage you to consider donating. Um, or if you know someone who is willing to sponsor the podcast, definitely give them our information. And we've also got a Patreon account, which I will link in just a second. Um, for those of you watching in the future, <laughs> um, it's patreon.com slash SWNS, just the acronym. And so we really appreciate any kind of donations you guys can give that'll give us some money to upgrade zoom or you know go with some other platforms that'll allow us to discuss for a little longer um, and hopefully once we recruit some more interest and some more live participants we can really get these conversations going yeah i want this to become a very challenging uh platform where you know you are able to confidently sit and listen and speak as freely as uh, we originally intended and uh, hopefully we can really get this off. So. Uh, just one quick question before you go, Zach. Um, yeah. In terms of this, uh, essentially it's a podcast, right? Are you going to be available on podcast platforms to download uh, those? So presumably, yeah. So we've got an Anchor account that we've set up. Um, 
And so the, the plan right now is to record these sessions. Um, so I'm recording the audio right now. And we're then going to upload the audio to Anchor. And so Anchor then uh, distributes <laughs> that to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm getting our ad out of the way right now. <laughs> um, you know, different platforms like that. And so once they're uploaded, then they'll be available on those platforms. Um, we've also then, we're, we're planning on posting it on Anchor, but then also posting it on YouTube as well. Um, so I won't worry about linking that yet because we don't have any content yet. Um, but once we've got it up and running, I'll start linking those. There's also links on the other social pages to, to the YouTube. And so, so yeah, so the goal is to have live discussions and then, um, also post the recordings to podcast sources. Um, we're also going to every so often have some content that's not live um, where me and Brandon just kind of chat and um, discuss a particular issue, um, probably something that we disagree on because um, there's plenty that are, there's plenty that we agree on as scientists and there's plenty that we disagree on too. And okay. so we may be able to have some good uh, discussions that we can just have too that we post and have the, for the podcast as well. Some fireside chats. To what? Some fireside chats. <laughs> yeah, some fireside yeah, definitely, chats. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if no one has anything else, then thank you all for attending the first live discussion uh, for Say What Needs Saying. And we hope to see you all next time. Uh, keep oh, an eye on cool. our socials for updates on, on when the next episode is going to be and what the issue is going to be that we're discussing. And we'll see you all next time. And next time, bring somebody. Yes. Yeah. Tell one person about us. And if you all tell one person, we've got seven people in the chat right now. If we can get it to 14 next time, that would be excellent. All right. With that, we'll call it a day. All right. Thank you, Tom, girls.